0: Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail.
4: Muller, She Wrote, is brought to you by Murder Book, a new true crime podcast hosted by bestselling author Michael Connolly, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Also, be sure to check out Dark Sacred Night, Michael Connolly's latest number one bestseller featuring detectives Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard. And thanks to Skillshare for supporting Muller, She Wrote. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Muller She Wrote listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. Just head to Skillshare.com slash AG for your two months free. That's Skillshare.com slash AG to start something big. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. And thanks to Beta Brand for supporting Muller She Wrote, who says comfy can't be work-appropriate. Beta Brand wants you to look good and feel good, even at the office. So go to betabrand.com slash AG and get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants today. So to be clear, Mr.
2: Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs.
1: That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is.
0: No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
4: Hello, and welcome to Mueller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. First, uh, let's get to those corrections, because we had a few this week. Um, I had said that Roger Stone's lawyer was one of the guys who repped N.W.A. back in the day, but it was actually two live crew. <laughs> Uh, In either case, it was definitely someone, a Virginia politician, dressed up as in blackface in the 80s. Also, uh, I asked if the State of the Union was the only event we have a designated survivor for. uh, And no, we also have one for the inauguration. Um, For this State of the Union, it was Rick Perry.
2: Oh, was it really? Yeah. The oh, di- when I heard that, I thought it was a joke. No. That's so funny. <laughs> it was.
4: Who picks? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they draw straws or Doug, something. Duck, duck goose or I something. I know. It's whoever got the furthest in Dancing with the Stars. Oh, that explains <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Did he do Dancing with the Stars? He oh, did. Yeah. That's real. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You How could... did I miss that?
4: <laughs> Look up that video. Oh, my God. Him skipping full-armed mm-hmm. out onto the stage wearing a little stripey. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah.
6: Dude, I got a commend his not giving a fuck that's hilarious
4: (laughs) jesus truly truly amazing
6: maybe they picked him because they thought in the event that someone tries to assassinate the sole survivor
4: because he can dance his way out of it yes oh dodge Mm -hmm. the bullets with his smooth moves. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah dance motherfucker dance he just moonwalks (laughs) out of there Uh, Also, um, there was a little confusion about who reported that Mitch McConnell was taking Russian money first. And we used a source from the Dallas Morning News from May of 2017. And I know that the Dumb Coalition was also investigating this well before that. Uh, And the author of the Dallas Morning News article, which we cited, uh, her name is Ruth May. She said it was republished in May from her original piece in August of 2017. So I just wanted to get that out there on the record. Also, it seemed as though our reporting on Virginia Lieutenant Governor Fairfax's sexual assault was incomplete uh, in this midweek episode. And the reason it was incomplete is we did not have the full statement from the victim at the time we recorded the midweek episode um sexual assault trigger warning here we did not yet know that fairfax hadn't only just pushed her head toward or his yeah her head towards his crotch but that he actually forced her to have oral sex according to her statement so please know if we had known that if we had that piece of information the discussion would have been very different
2: right that was your
4: question actually you were
2: wondering like how how it went down like details and we didn't have it at the moment but it changes
4: a lot of that yeah yeah it sure does so just wanted to let you know that um and now that there's a second accuser, um, we at least I don't want to speak for everybody here, but I think he should resign.
2: Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh,
4: and these are corroborated stories mm-hmm. so far. There should at least be an investigation. Um, I, I, he needs to resign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and here's what I think. I think Northam um he so fairfax should resign northam should appoint a a female or a woman as lieutenant governor and then northam should resign and then she can take over the state that's what i think should go down (laughs) that's my two cents that's a good idea and finally friend of the pod and patron robert fisher has passed the second phase of his fbi application so now he just has the sf-86 background check left but don't worry robert i hear the guy in personnel will hand out security clearances to just about anyone (laughs) (laughs) so i think you're a shoe in um Anyway, with all that out of the way, how was your week, you guys? Good, yeah. Yeah, it was good.
6: Did uh, did shows and stuff. I I did uh, the longest spot I've ever done stand-up-wise. That how was, was fun. How long was 25 it? 25 minutes. Very nice. That was nice. I put the baby
4: sapling in stand-up, so
2: that was a long time for me. <laughs> baby sapling.
4: It is. It's yeah. hard to stretch 25. All right, so we are working hard on developing a daily news show going forward called Daily Beans. Daily Beans, and we just need about 1,500 more patrons to be able to start rocking that out. Anybody who becomes a Mueller She Wrote patron will automatically be a Daily Beans patron. So, um, And we also have some live shows coming up, and... The D.C. and Brooklyn shows are about to sell out, so hurry up and grab your tickets. If you want to come to the hour-long VIP cocktail meet-and-greet before the show, the D.C. show has a ticket that includes general admission and the meet-and-greet, but the Brooklyn show, you have to buy the tickets separately, one for the general admission, one for the meet-and-greet. And And patrons, you get a discount on that VIP ticket. So just listen to the midweek episode or check your premium newsletter for that discount code. And if you want to upgrade your D.C. ticket, from general admission to VIP, you should be getting an email soon so that you can do that, or we'll, we'll mail out a link to your patron email, your mm-hmm. Patreon email. So make sure you check your junk and your spam, because um, we're junky spam sometimes. <laughs> check your junk. <laughs> check your junk.
3: Uh,
4: and we have confirmed we're coming to Los Angeles to the Largo on April 18th with special guest Elizabeth Cronise mclaughlin from The Resistance, and pre-sale tickets for patrons only go on sale Monday, but only for Monday. And uh, we will post that code on the Patreon page and the closed Facebook group. Regular tickets go on sale for everyone Tuesday. And these will sell out. So if your patron grab a Monday before they go on wide sale and look for the code on your patron page, uh, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote. It's totes worth it. That's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited for that. The Largo's is awesome. Uh, also, we have a new FAQ page at MullerSheWrote.com. So check that out if you have any tech or beans questions. Um, I think we answer them all in there.
6: Yeah, the most common questions we get is, I'm not getting my newsletter, and uh, where is my shipment, and what about the RSS feed? Why uh, are you talking about beans? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> what, number what one question.
3: <laughs>
6: what are the beans? Yeah.
4: So, yeah, if you have any of those questions, definitely check out the FAQ because the answers are there. All right. And finally, tons of folks are asking me about appearing live and protecting my anonymity. Uh, I use a pseudonym and don't discuss my job to avoid violating the Hatch Act only. And there's nothing in the Hatch Act that says I can't show him a face. Um, If I wanted to protect my anonymity, I'd have taken more measures to do so, because as it is, it's not hard to find out who I am. So uh, you're welcome. All right. This week, we have special guest Andrew Torres, a real-life lawyer, and he's the co-host of the Opening Arguments pod. That's at the end of the show, a full interview with him. And we have... Um, a new app now that we're recording with so the sound quality is much better no more popping so thanks for first of all for the feedback and thanks for bearing with us as we improve um it, you know, it's been a year plus. We should have done this a while ago. Yeah, Sorry. We're upgrading better late than never. <laughs> always, always never stop improving. <laughs> um, Jaleesa, you're going to be covering a crazy interview with Senator Burr. Mm-hmm. And Jordan, you have a story of the BuzzFeed document dump of the Trump Tower Moscow timeline, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, uh, I'll be covering investigations in the House and how they connect to Mueller. But first, uh, let's see what else happened this week with just the facts. All right. Monday, three different stories dropped about Deutsche Bank. First was a New York Times lead that said, uh, Trump sought a loan during the 2016 campaign and Deutsche Bank said no. Uh, did I say Deutsche? <laughs> Do- Deutsche Bank said no. Deutsche p- want a loan? Deutsche. You- <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that should be their slogan. Hell yeah. <laughs> Deutsche want a loan? <laughs> Whoa. Well, you bet your ass cream. <laughs> um. That makes sense because you don't want to lend money to a potential president, right? Jordan, you went over this. Why wouldn't you lend money to a candidate?
6: Yeah, well, I mean, first, besides off, that he's an asshole. Yeah, besides it being an asshole, they would either have to choose to basically one not collect the debt on a president if he didn't pay it, and which is you know maybe a likely outcome, and alternatively, they don't want to have to seize the assets of a sitting president because that's messy and weird. So that's pretty much it. But also, apparently, they said that. Trump says so many divisive things they didn't want to be involved in any sort of super sketchy divisive dramas
4: shit because they're already the money laundering bank of the world doesn't want to get involved in (laughs) sketchy shit that's how fucking sketchy Trump is too little too late basically but yes Yeah. All right. Um, The other story, another story about Deutsche Bank. Do I do keep doing it? Don't you want a loan?
3: (laughs)
2: It's not the easiest word. I don't blame you.
4: But I speak German. All right. (laughs) Another story came out in The Wall Street Journal saying that they sought to shed a loan that they made to Russian bank VTB in late 2016. They pretty much wanted to distance themselves apparently from Trump and the Russians in 2016. I can't imagine why. So um, they sold half of that six hundred thousand dollar loan to Alpha Bank because that's better. Um, They say they were reducing their exposure to Russian entities. They weren't fucking beating around the bush about it. And they also said they were trying to boost their cash position. Um, I don't know if selling debt is how you make money, BT dubs, unless you're getting some massive interest rate break. But whatever. Uh, This, by the way, is the bank that lent money to Trump and got caught laundering billions of dollars. So I'm not sure why I'd expect them to be awesome. (laughs) Also, early in the week, Trump went on CBS and had another interview. There wasn't much that came out of it. Um, Jordan, you covered this in the midweek episode. If you want to hear like a full-throated version of this, check out the midweek episode. Um, Jordan's laughing at me because I said (laughs) (laughs) full-throated. Both wrote, it is not what you think it means in this context. Uh, what Was there anything that stood out in that interview it was kind of the same old shit other than he was kind of, he was sort of chill?
6: Yeah, he was pretty chill. It was not one of his worst interviews, that's for sure. Only on account of him saying the same crazy shit he always says. But when they talked about any of the Mueller investigation stuff, for example, he said the exact same talking points he always takes. It's a witch hunt, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, they talked a decent amount on foreign policy. So Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, getting out of those wars. Uh, said that when he took over Syria was infested with ISIS and now he says very little ISIS. <laughs> so that's about it. <laughs> Easy Ice please.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Light um, ISIS. Yeah. Yes.
6: But I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it. They talk about football for a while, which is like stupid. <laughs> um.
4: <laughs> stupid.
6: Yeah. Well, he has to walk back his whole damnation of the whole league when he was all pissed over the Kaepernick stuff. Oh, that's right. He yeah. tried to skate over that. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, I still think people should stand for the pledge, but me and Goodell are friends, whatever. Yeah. Oh, whatever wow. what the fuck he said. Whatever. Yeah,
4: something stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, so not, not anything we haven't heard already. Just the only thing that really stood out to me is that he wasn't yelling.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> uh, that's what I mean by chill. None of his policies aren't chill. Uh, It was just his voice. Exactly, (laughs) It was a little less yelly than normal. Saying all the same stuff. Uh, Then we learn that space beans are real. Uh, (laughs) There's a company called Space Roasters that's planning to use the heat of re-entry into our atmosphere to roast coffee beans. I wish they were called the Great Space Roaster or maybe Super Space Beans, but I admire their verve.
0: (laughs) You have a lot of
1: verve. Verve?
4: The only downside of space beans is the cost. Apparently, the overheads are high when you have to launch beans into space and bring them back to Earth. But if anybody buys us some, I'll drink that shit.
2: Oh hell yeah!
6: I'm just gonna sell beans and say they're space beans. I think that's the obvious takeaway from this oh. story. Yeah, like Roger Stones. hmm Exactly.
4: Yeah, I th- I like it. Yeah. We should come. We should pair up with a coffee coffee
6: company. Yeah, I mean everyone's defrauding people nowadays, so may as well get in while the <laughs> going's hot. You know. <laughs>
2: I like that, get in while it's hot Yeah, it's your whole
3: coffee ah, it right.
4: Defrauding you with coffee Get it while it's hot Don't you want a loin? No, don't you want a loan? See, I can't I even so do it good. Loin? Don't you want a loin? That's
3: What's going on service. with my head today?
4: Too much coffee Too much fe. <laughs> Uh, Then Monday, some huge, huge news dropped. And this is big enough to be its own episode, so I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, This is potentially more consequential than even the Mueller investigation. Don't hate me for saying that. Though this investigation originated from Mueller's probe, so it it came from there. The Southern District of New York issued a broad subpoena for the Trump inaugural committee. And we've been following this story for a really long time since we found out Trump's inaugural cost twice as much as Obama's, apparently, but was like one-tenth as cool. (laughs) um they had a bunch of high school marching bands and like some dj drums cool drums or something just the like dj cool drums something <laughs> something like that it it, it it was it was like one of those sick bro guys you yeah. know mm-hmm. with like playing a bunch of drums and being a dj oh, it was the dumbest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you save money when they play multiple instruments That's yeah how you do guess yeah. I, I guess <laughs> So what's amazing about this subpoena, you guys, is the sheer scope of it. It requires Trump inaugural officials to hand over documents about donors, finances, activities, spending, any guests, any benefits they handed out, including tickets and photo ops with the president, federal disclosure filings, vendors, contractors, contractor lists, pretty much everything they have. It could take months to comply with this subpoena. They want to know. All the benefits provided to guests and donors and donations because the inaugural has to disclose these to the FEC. Any falsification or omission is a crime because the disclosure form is signed under penalty of perjury. And this one was signed by a guy named Doug Ammerman. So you might want to throw him on your fantasy draft. Mm. Doug. (laughs) Doug Ammerman. Squirrel. Um, Prosecutors want to know if any foreigners illegally donated as well as whether committee staff members knew that such donations were illegal or if money was just being paid directly to vendors instead of going through the inaugural like it's supposed to so that they didn't have to report it Um, for tax. Well, it's a nonprofit, so it's not a tax dodge. It's more of a we don't want you to know where this money came from dodge. Right. And that bit is important because accepting foreign contributions isn't it's only a crime if it's done with knowledge that the donations were illegal. Uh, and it also says to me that there is indeed evidence of foreign contributions and the Southern District of New York is building a case for criminal charges, uh, beans. They asked for documents laying out inaugural policy for accepting donations because federal law prohibits foreign contributions to federal campaigns, PACs, and inaugural funds. So if the Trump org has these documents that lay out a policy that says we can't accept foreign donations, then that means they knew and that therefore it's a crime, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Shuto of CNN said that the prosecutors are investigating a giant list of potential crimes, including conspiracy against the United States, false statements, mail fraud, wire fraud, money laundering, inaugural committee disclosure violations and violations of laws prohibiting contributions made by foreign nations and contributions made in the name of another person known as straw donors. Or if you hear us say cutout. That's what that is. Okay. And we already know Mueller indicted Sam Patton for using a straw donor to funnel money into the inaugural when he bought four tickets to the party for $50,000 that was recouped from a Putin-backed Ukrainian oligarch. In fact, it was Mueller's interest in Russian squid pro crow that launched this investigation in the Southern District in the first place. Go, Mueller.
6: (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate owner of this fund is Trump himself as a person.
4: I don't know. I don't know who the ultimate I think the ultimate owner is the Trump Inaugural. It's a it's an entity. It's Trump. a non-profit.
2: Is that to protect themselves like basically from legal like liability like?
4: No, I think it's just you have to set it up as a 501c3 or c4. Or okay. c five something
6: <laughs> so that you don't think there's like one individual who the liability falls on. It's just everyone that was involved in any sort of passing those payments along.
4: Well, the executives could be like like take the Trump org for example, you can indict the Trump org or you could indict the executives of the Trump org. Separately. Right. Just like AMI. You can indict AMI or you can indict Pecker or Dylan. Right. Separately. Dylan Howard. Um, For this, the two people in charge were Tom Barrick and Rick Gates. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and you know, they keep postponing the sentencing of Rick Gates, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it seems like if he were assisting the Southern District in this investigation, it would make sense to postpone his sentencing so he can get credit for helping. Yeah. Although you can get credit for helping... um, up to being in jail for a year, but he hasn't even been sentenced yet. We don't even know what kind of time he's facing, and, and additional help could make him avoid jail altogether if he wasn't already. He was the deputy director of the inaugural fund, second to Tom Barrack, who I mentioned before. He's the guy who helped Manafort get the job with Trump in the first place. <laughs> he's the one under investigation for his shady real estate dealings with the Cutter Investment Authority. And in a ProPublica report, we know that Barrack was uh, seeking to personally profit from connections to the Trump administration, according to a confidential memo obtained by WNYC. The memo outlines how Barrack's company called Colony sought to benefit financially from its ties <laughs> to Trump. Unabashedly white men. <laughs> Colonists. Um, his, this memo says, quote, the key is to strategically cultivate domestic and international relations while avoiding any appearance of lobbying. <laughs> The mm. appearance, yeah. Yeah. Don't want to look like you're lobbying. Otherwise, we have to register as foreign lobbyists, and no one wants to do that. <laughs> uh, it's just not cool this year, uh, 2016. <laughs> and oddly, the only guy mentioned in the subpoena is Ahmad Zabari. Uh, he was in Trump Tower around the same time Al Rumehi was there from the Qatar Investment Authority meeting with Flynn Jr. and Cohen. Hmm. Huh.
3: Hmm.
4: Probably to discuss the Rosneft Commission sell-off. Super oh. beans, though. That's beans. And according to Renato Mariotti, friend of the pod and host of the On Topic podcast, this subpoena indicates that the investigation is in its early stages and the massive scope of the subpoena as I said could take months to comply with and the inaugural has said it will fully cooperate. So, mm-hmm. they're going to yeah. start digging. All right.
6: I just hope his uh his being Trump, his signature is on there somewhere. That's all I'm hoping for.
4: It's probably not. It's probably God mostly it. Barrack and Gates. Um Uh, Anyway, for more on this story, we'll be releasing the full unedited interview with Andrew Torres uh, of Opening Arguments podcast for patrons only. So check that out. Uh, He and I talk about that for a good 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes after the interview that you'll hear at the end of the show. Also Monday, we learned a lobbyist uh, at the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting received half a million dollars in suspicious payments. That lobbyist is Renat Akmenshin. Uh, And according to BuzzFeed News, he deposited large round number amounts of cash in the months preceding and the months following the meeting. He also got a large payment from Denis Kotzeff that was flagged by the bank. If Kotzeff sounds familiar, it should. He's the guy who owns Prevazon Holdings, who was accused by the Justice Department for laundering the proceeds of a $230 million Russian tax fraud scheme that was uncovered by Magnitsky. That money laundering case is the one Veselnitskaya who was also at the Trump Tower meeting was indicted for recently. She declined to comment saying, quote, don't bother with questions. Your article is paid for and you have your text already. Don't be distracted from what you consider the meaning of life. What? Damn. <laughs> she went Jordan on that one. <laughs> Uh, Then Tuesday, the New York Times reported that three firms recruited by Paul Manafort have been questioned about foreign payments in recent weeks, including the Podesta Group, Tony Podesta, the Mercury Law Group, and Skadden, Arps, Slate, Mm -hmm. Merg, and Flom. I'm going to get that tattooed or something. (laughs) I just love it so much. (laughs) The Mercury Group should sound familiar because that's the lobbying firm that Lanza worked out of, and he was trying to lobby, successfully lobby, the Treasury and Congress to allow Darapaska to sell off shares of his aluminum company and have sanctions lifted off of him. And as we know, he sold those shares to his family and the Kremlin, and we lifted the sanctions, relieving him of hundreds of millions in debt. Mm-hmm. Then there's good old Skadden, Arp, Slate, Marr, and Flom. <laughs> uh, that sounds familiar because I love saying it. And two, they're the firm that cooked the report for Rorabacher, Gates, and Manafort on behalf of Yanukovych, who was trying to make his opponent, Temoshenko look like a criminal so they could justify locking her up. Uh, Vanderswan was involved in that, as well as Skadden, and uh, he was indicted by Mueller and went to prison, and we've deported him. So nothing weird going on there. <laughs> uh, we knew this was coming because we would reported several months ago that prosecutors were weighing charges against Democrat lobbyists, Vin Weber, Greg Craig, and Tony Podesta, and we'll keep you posted on this as the story develops. I say if a Democrat broke the law, put him away. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Lobbyists. Good old <laughs> K Street. Anyway, we'll be right back. Hey, Mueller junkies. Thanks to Murder Book, the new true crime podcast hosted by bestselling author Michael Connolly for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Returning to his roots as a journalist, bestselling author Michael Connolly now presents the true crime podcast Murder Book, working with the very detectives from his novels and his hit television show, Bosch, The podcast explores real homicide cases not covered by mainstream media. Murder Book season one is The Telltale Bullet, and it dives into a 30-year-old Hollywood carjacking gone wrong that tests the limits of the American criminal justice system. Sounds familiar. Also from Michael Connelly, Dark Sacred Night, his latest number one bestseller featuring detectives Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard. You can find Dark Sacred Night wherever books are sold. Personally, I absolutely love the way Connelly tells the story. He makes it relatable in a way that makes me feel like I have skin in the game. And aside from being a Mueller junkie, I am a true crime junkie. Though I guess the Mueller investigation could be considered true crime. But I read Connolly's book and I listened to the podcast and it's riveting, you guys. So be sure to check out Michael Connolly's new Murder Book Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can check out MurderBookPodcast.com. Again, that's MurderBookPodcast.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey guys, welcome back. We are on to Wednesday. Humpty! Uh, when we Mike, Mike Mike, Mike. <laughs> I love that commercial so much. Uh, when we learned, uh, uh, okay, so Wednesday, when we learned, Senate Judiciary Committee Republican Member Ben Sass has opened an investigation to allegations that department attorneys may have committed professional misconduct in the manner in which Jeffrey Epstein's criminal matter was resolved. This is a Republican doing this. is Ben Sass. Uh, we've reported on this in the past that Pederast and rapist Jeffrey Epstein was given a sweetheart deal in Florida by the Attorney General there, Acosta, pretty much letting him and all of his accomplices off the hook. And Acosta is now, oddly Trump's labor secretary. And I'm pretty sure, and these are beans, I have no proof, uh, that Trump supplied underage models for Jeffrey Epstein's parties, and Trump's immunity was part of that deal Acosta offered, and that's why he's the labor secretary now. Beans. Yeah, we've um, been, you've been saying those beans for a while. I have. Now there's going to be investigated. I'm so excited. Um, you can also look for Bill Clinton probably to be wrapped up in these parties. Uh, it's of note that last week Trump officially changed the definition of sexual assault and domestic violence to mean only felony violent crimes. So uh, more beans on himself trying to protect his own ass under that update when this gets investigated. That's a good
2: point. When I heard that news about him making that change, I didn't even think about like how that could help him in the future. I was just like, what a piece of shit. But he may be, you know, looking into something that's coming up. Or any of the Supreme
6: Court picks that are on the docket.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Then Wednesday, the House Intelligence Committee postponed Michael Cohen's closed door testimony from February 8th to February 28th. Citing the delay is, quote, in the interest of the investigation. Uh, The reason that this is totally cool with Schiff is because it's not Cohen that's asking for this delay. And this is conjecture. But my guess is Mueller doesn't want to risk a leak before he indicts others for lying to Congress about Trump Tower Moscow. Plus, the other ongoing investigations Cohen could be cooperating with. And I imagine Schiff and Mueller had a chat and Mueller was like, well, you know, hey, uh, could you hang on? Asking Cohen about Trump Tower Moscow until I indict these other motherfuckers. And Schiff was like, sure, motherfucker. How much motherfucking time do you need? And Mueller was like, give me until motherfucking motherfucking February 28th. And he was like, cool.
2: He became Samuel L. Jackson.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they speak English and what? Uh, so put some beans on uh, what happens between now and February 28th. Also Wednesday, Paul Erickson was indicted. And we'll go, we'll go over that in the Fantasy indictment League mm. later in the show. Still Wednesday, we got an update on a report from CNN that New York federal prosecutors are seeking interviews with Trump org execs. CNN is the only one reporting this. It has not been substantiated by any other uh, news organization. No one else has sourced it. But they say that federal prosecutors in New York have requested interviews in recent weeks with Trump organization executives, according to two two people familiar with that shit. Uh, That's all we know. We'll keep you posted. Cool. We don't know any names. Nope, but there is only three Trump organization executives: four, five. That uh, yeah, Ivanka, uh, Eric, and Jr. and mm. Weiselberg. All right, yeah, definitely narrows it down. Yeah, a little bit. Is it Weiselman or Weiselberg? I always I get know. them confused. I think it's Weiselberg, the immunity know. guy. Right, right. Immunity guy. He's got like a cape. <laughs> I have immunity. Worst superhero ever. <laughs> yes. Worst superhero ever. I was a criminal. Now I'm a hero. But I'm still a criminal. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, they
6: can really get the best of both worlds there, don't they? (laughs) Like Cohen, too. Just get to fucking be rich as fuck your whole life and then also be a hero. Yeah. Crazy. And don't
4: have to pay bail. Then Thursday, as we predicted, Barr was not confirmed. Um, He wasn't unconfirmed or anything, but uh, they postponed his vote. So Matthew fucking Whitaker had to answer questions Friday from Jerry Nadler and the Dem-led Judiciary Committee. I don't think we learned anything new other than Big Dick Toilet Guy has now lied to Congress because he told them he never talked to Trump about Mueller. And we know Trump interviewed him to be his Mueller lawyer. So you're telling me Mueller never came up. Okay, Um, He was smug. Whitaker, Matthew fucking Whitaker, Mm -hmm. smug AF. He was an asshole. And Nadler wasn't satisfied with his answers. So they're likely going to bring him back behind closed doors and compel him to tell them what they want to know. One of the most stunning moments of the hearing came in a back and forth between Nadler and Whitaker. Let's take a listen.
1: Now, In your capacity as acting attorney general, have you ever been asked to approve any request or action to be taken by the special counsel? Mr. Chairman, uh, I see that your five minutes is up, and so uh, (laughs) uh, I'm...
4: One thing that I thought that was important that came out of this hearing is when Whitaker was asked who was in the room when he was briefed on the Mueller investigation. And he danced around the answer and finally came out with it, Greg Scott. Uh, Greg Scott is the U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of California, which covers Fresno, which is where Devin Nunes is yeah. from. Oh snap! So, when asked if any of that shit got back to Trump, and he said no, he lied uh-huh. because we know Greg Scott told Nunes, and Nunes told Trump. I, we don't know that; those are beans.
2: So, why was it? Why would he lie in, under oath? Are they like convinced that it won't come back to him for some reason? Like that's such a weird thing they keep doing.
4: I don't know. but I'd be so scared. But they kept getting at it like, did you tell any associates? Were there any associates? Were there any Trump associates? Were there any Nunes associates? Did anyone possibly ever go back to Trump with what you said, whether you asked him or not? And he's like, oh, as I sit here, uh, uh, big dick toilets. He didn't sweat too much this time. Though. No, he had drank 800 bottles of water. Oh, there you go. And he must have had a little fan. <laughs> right underneath him. Like in his lap, just blowing right on him the whole time because he did not sweat. Yeah, he was smug as fuck. It was the most ridiculous. Like, it was annoying to watch, but it was also very satisfying to watch a, a proceeding in the House where the Democrats were in charge. Because anytime a Republican tried to bring up a, a, a point of order, now there's like, fuck you. Uh, let's table it, <laughs> motion to table it, tabled. Uh, bye. Right. And, you know, they're just like, shut up. We're yeah. going to ask you whatever about whatever we feel like asking mm-hmm. you. Um, and it was nice to see them in control. It oh, really yeah. was. That made me a little, I got a little. Justice, as horny just as Boner. So. <laughs>
6: smugness almost doesn't even bother me anymore like it used to because I just see it as the transparent thing that it is just insecure little boys yeah yeah. it is annoying though when they are running things that does add to the frustration it is and that you
4: can't make anyone else see it who refuses to see it you're like oh my god I can't even believe that this is not so fucking obvious to you right. right but they are slowly losing power right that's the idea is that it's like yeah. slowly being taken away from mm, them it's nice uh, <laughs> and I can't wait until we take over the senate and the white house too uh, let's see. So Matthew fucking Whitaker says he's not obstructed the Mueller probe in any way. The the good news is whether or not you believe him, we will find out because the <laughs> law provides any block on any behalf of the acting AG has to be reported to Congress when the Mueller report comes out or when the Mueller investigation ends, like if he's fired. or something. Right. Uh, on Thursday, we got the transcripts of Manafort's court hearing that took place on Monday and they were redacted a lot. But we did learn that Manafort kept working in Ukraine even after he was indicted by Mueller. <laughs> And that prosecutors think Manafort may have told one lie, a specific lie, to increase his chances for a pardon. Wow. But we don't know what lie that was. It was redacted. Yeah, mm. I think. No, it was about Kalimnik. Oh, I think. I'd have to go back and look at ex- okay. precisely what it is. I think it was the one about Kalimnic. And There was a lot of stuff in, about Kalimnik in there. It alludes to an August 2nd meeting between Kalimnik and Manafort. And during that meeting, they discussed a back door, a lot of back channels and back doors going, mm-hmm. a lot of butt stuff in the GOP. <laughs>
3: um,
4: the prosecutor said that that meeting goes to the larger view of what the motive is in this whole case. And, quote, it goes very much to the heart of what the special counsel special counsel's office is investigating, unquote. And I know Seth Abramson will find this interesting because this meeting happened the day before the August 3rd Trump Tower meeting, which he says was the biggest news of 2018 in our final episode of 2018. Mm-hmm. That meeting included Prince Nader Jr. and social media specialist Joe Zamel. And if Trump won, or sorry, after Trump won, if Trump won, <laughs> uh, after he won, if you remember, Nader paid Zamel like $2 million. Mm-hmm. And Zamel came up earlier with all these different like social media cheating uh, ideas and right presentations, and then they did it, and then but they said they didn't do it, but then he got $2 million for doing nothing, I guess. <laughs> so that's huge. And in other Manafort news, The Hill reported Friday that Mueller is looking into a $1 million loan to Manafort after the FBI raided his house. Manafort secured a loan from a Nevada-based company called Woodlawn, LLC, through his interest in a, <laughs> a condo in Manhattan that prosecutors are trying to seize... Uh, which leaves Woodlawn wanting to stake a claim on the New York condo so it can collect on the debt
6: I'm sorry, Woodlawn? Woodlawn Is that like the chips of wood?
4: I don't or know Or is it
6: actual grass?
4: I don't know <laughs> That's there's a little, really bad name There's a lot of places called Woodlawn But oh. I don't like little townships
6: Yeah, that makes sense, It's a cute name But woodlawn. as a landscaping company, no thank you That's a little
4: contradictory, isn't it? <laughs> woodlawn? What the hell? How do you mow a woodlawn? <laughs> Very carefully, I don't know what With the- levers <laughs> <laughs> would so anyway watch for those superseding Manafort indictments guys I've been talking about them for over a year put some beans on it it's like my number I have like two of my biggest beans predictions are the, the cutter investment authority and superseding Manafort indictments mm-hmm. oh I've been, yeah I've been on this for a long time so whew, it's going to be interesting when those drop yeah they're going to be big too Huge. Yeah, because they're just
6: amassing all of them right now. They're trying to give him the chance to cooperate and he just fucked him in the face. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was
4: very graphic. I, I think he did that because I think he did that. So he would could get a pardon. Honestly, yeah. fucked him in the face for a pardon. <laughs> this should be a T-shirt. Roger Stone did nothing wrong. I fucked him in the face for a pardon. <laughs> uh, Thursday and Friday, guys, we got five more sealed indictments on the D.C. docket. We do not know if they're from Mueller, but they're tagged with the code CR, which uh, indicates a, a likely indictment. And then we found a court filing showing that Jerome Corsi is suing Roger Stone for smearing him, for intimidating him, for coercion and threats against him. Stop fighting, boys. (laughs) I'm just glad he's standing up for himself. (laughs) I think we'll see a plea agreement from him sooner. (laughs) Yeah. Or later, if Mueller will still offer him one. He had that one and then he released it to the public and he's like, I'll never go quietly or whatever. (laughs) Stupid face said. Uh, In other Stone news, in a hearing this week, Roger Stone argued against the gag order Judge Amy Berman Jackson was weighing, saying he's no Kim Kardashian, meaning he's not much of a celebrity. The only problem is that Roger Stone has argued in previous hearings that it's impossible for him to get a fair trial because he's so famous. Um, And then he attacked Judge Jackson, implying she's biased because she was appointed by Obama. And then Stone argued that it was... Uh, wrong that his case be considered related to the Russian indictments in a prosecutor's court filing, even though when he was named in the Russian indictment, he came out all over social media going, it's me. Look, that's me. They're talking about me. And now he's trying to say I shouldn't be related to the Russian indictment.
6: What What is his reasoning for why he should not be related to the
4: Russian indictment? Uh, no, i don't know <laughs> i would love to hear him lay that out because i had nothing to do with it probably is i don't know why i'm even related because it says in the top left corner of his indictment related to 19 cr 35 or whatever right. which is the russian indictment or 17 cr 17 i can't remember um a number yeah but I'm he's surprised you like, he knew
2: that It's very nerdy of you have to know
4: that <laughs> but he's like you can't i'm not related to this you can't say i'm related to this this you know it taints my case it makes me look like a bad guy but when the russians were indicted and he was mentioned the indictment he's like everybody on instagram check it out i'm it's me hi. exactly he's trying to have it both ways and he's doing that and on the famous thing too he's like i'm Release the gag order on me. I'm not famous enough. I'm not like Kim Kardashian. I'm not famous, but like this whole his whole life, he's like, look how famous I am. Whatever. If you have two cases, it doubles your chances of winning one, right?
2: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he is very. <laughs> That's true.
3: <laughs> I mean, it
6: could
4: be logical to Roger Stone. I got to get me two cases like that Manafort. <laughs>
3: Double down.
4: Hit me. Down. <laughs> all in. I'm all in.
6: <laughs> he is kind of like Kim Kardashian in that he experiences a drastically undeserved level of fame. Oh, yes. yes. That
2: is something that is. Infamy.
4: Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm going to both put did
2: in. porn too, right? Is that, I yeah. I Roger Stone count. had a little no, scandal. No, did. Well, he? okay. He was a swinger. I guess I associate that with yeah. Him, okay, like they're, different. Let,
4: they're different. He used to let men of color have sex with his wife That's and he That's true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But not like not, sold for money. You're right. The you're right. Sold for money. I oh, just would anyone pay for uh, People buy stones, I guess. That's maybe. true. Buy his yeah. uh, <laughs> stones. Uh, anyway, I'm going to put beans on him losing this court <laughs> battle and his case. <laughs> uh, that's not really hard beans to lay down. Um, <laughs> then we found out that Mueller placed a sealed indictment in the vault Ooh. on Cohen. Another one in the vault on the same day that uh, they delayed Cohen's congressional testimony. This is the second time, as I said, we've heard a document about Cohen going into the vault. It's not clear what the document contains, but it's definitely from Mueller and not from the Southern District. So I would posit that it's related to Trump Tower Moscow or some other superseding indictment we haven't seen. So Mm. put some beans on that. Mm. Nice. Then we found out Maria Butina's sentencing has been delayed from February 12th to February 26th. Huh. Mm. Another sentencing delayed to the end of February. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That to me says big shit's coming before the end of February.
6: Yeah. Also, well, so her indictments, weren't they not technically... Re- like, we gave them points in the Fantasy Indictment League, but were her her charges, weren't they not... Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. This they were separate from Mueller investigation because they went way back in time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So then... Superseding indictments for Erickson, probably, and also probably for her mm-hmm. merging the two lovebirds together once again Aww. in jail.
3: Beauty Yeah, it's kind of beautiful a
2: on a weird
6: treasonous yes. way.
3: Yeah.
6: <laughs> Those are my beans.
4: Uh, we also learned Thursday there is now a joint congressional inquiry demanding that the NRA... Vice President Wayne LaPierre hand over documents showing whether the NRA made illegal, excessive, or unreported in-kind donations to Donald Trump and several GOP Senate candidates. Yes, the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I'm excited there. I'm so glad you guys that the Dems are in charge uh, of the House. And finally... Trump is now technically in violation of the Magnitsky Act. If you'll remember, a bipartisan group of senators invoked the Global Magnitsky Act back in October after the murder of Washington Post reporter Jamal Khashoggi. And that triggered a 120-day clock for Trump to report back to Congress on the murder and say what he was going to do. That deadline was Friday, and Trump has refused to report back.
3: We got it!
2: That's crazy how that's like a minor headline in all of this. Like there's so much crazy shit going on that him breaking that law is like just another thing.
4: That's huge. Totally. And I know I know everyone's feeling really exasperated right now about all these crimes and you're thinking, well, do we just throw that on the pile? No one cares. It doesn't matter. But guys, the pile is important. And here's why. Because if we're going to impeach this guy, which I think is what we're going towards, we need A full on solid bulletproof case for impeachment, because if we go at it half assed without the Mueller report or if we don't have all this, you know, giant stack of of impeachable offenses and we get him impeached in the House because that'll be easy because the House is Democratic. Right. But he has to be removed by the Senate. Otherwise, he stays and he could actually get a boost like Clinton did when he was impeached, but not removed. Right. Reinforced. So you just have to be patient. We have to wait until we have all the dirt, um, including the Mueller report. And I know if it was like, start it now. Start it now. But if you don't have that full on, full throated, to use that a couple of times because okay. I, I like your face when I say it. <laughs> if you don't have that, you could you, you run the risk of losing. And that's why the Mueller investigation is taking so long is because you, you, if you don't put together a solid case that they can't knock down, you run the risk of losing the case. Right. What you just said about thinking that he's going to be impeached,
6: that's kind of new. Because last time we talked about the roadmap for his removal, it was just not voting him back into the second term.
4: Well, I mean, honestly, what I think is that they'll offer him like a Spiro Agnew deal. Keep your businesses, keep your money, Mm -hmm. resign okay. And you think he'll take it? Yeah, I think he will. He nice. should. If he doesn't, he's stupid. <laughs> if he knows what's good well, for him. Well, we know
6: that's true, so... <laughs> and impeachment
4: could take long enough to lead us right up to the election, yeah. but, you know, I mean, we have to do... It's our... We have to do what we have to do. Totally,
6: yeah. So. If he has impeachable offenses, he should be impeached. Which he definitely does. 1,000%, yes. <laughs> Although he's still... I've said, like, for example, with his inaugural fund, right? If his name isn't actually on that, and his name isn't technically on these other things... Do you think he could just literally be the last man standing while everyone
4: else, literally everyone else around him, is just in jail? Well, the thing about impeachment is they don't have to be crimes on the books, right? Right, yeah. like lying to the public is an impeachable offense. Yeah, oh well, well then the public he should be impe- gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, misusing or abusing your power, uh, like in using a pardon or having the IRS go after you or trying to double the Amazon cost at the by pressuring the postmaster general. All these things are impeachable offenses. Right. Yeah. They have to make the
2: strongest case for Republicans
4: to also impeach him. That's got to yep. be tough. Yeah. Republicans in the Senate are going to have to be on board. Mm-hmm. And so you want everything. You want to come out with every single thing. That we can. And that Mueller report is going to be key to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of these other things we need to wait, like just at yes, add it to the pile. Oh, nothing's ever going to happen. Things will happen. Yeah. Just not as soon as you wish. And I'm, <laughs> right. I'm yeah. sorry. It's true. Don't be mad at me. Anyway, we'll be right back. Hey mother junkies, Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. You'll discover countless ways to spark your creativity and fuel your career. Take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. And whether you're looking to discover a new passion or start a side hustle or even just gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. Personally, I'm a true believer in lifelong learning. I have the PhD, so I'm done with college, never going back uh, ever unless I'm teaching, but that doesn't mean I don't need to polish up on my skills especially in this extremely fast-paced media market. Um, I've taken classes on production and time management through Skillshare and I've learned so much that I apply them to this podcast and I can't thank Skillshare enough for that. What have you guys done? Yeah I was looking at the uh, create a short documentary video portrait
2: class and uh, basically they have someone who's experienced in, in that area just break down all the different steps that they would take to create their project so it's very personal it's very practical you can actually see them do it in the videos so it just you put yourself in their place and I like to follow along it's really really easy to follow
6: yeah, I uh, I never took any econ classes, and they have a really cool class called Investing 101: Understanding the Stock Market. While I'm not personally interested, really, in engaging in that myself, I want to know about it, and I'm not gonna go back to college either. I already graduated, and I'm not gonna go take a
4: class on it. So woo Woo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and even if you did, I'm, you're not—they're not gonna make you take econ.
6: Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I never had to take it, f- and probably never will. So, but I'm curious, and they have a lot of different subjects. If you know, you just want to learn something go there and learn
4: yeah curiosity is really important you guys so join the millions of lifelong learners already on skillshare today with a special offer just for muller junkies get two months of skillshare for free that's right skillshare is offering muller she wrote listeners two months of unlimited access to over twenty five thousand classes for free to sign up go to skillshare.com slash ag again go to skillshare.com slash ag to start your two months now that's skillshare.com slash ag you'll be glad you did Welcome back. Awesome. Hot notes. Baby. All right, guys, for today's Hot Notes, Jordan has an incredible BuzzFeed story about Trump Tower Russia. But first, Jalisa, you have a, an interview between Republican Senator Burr and CBS.
2: Yes. So uh, the Senate's investigation into Russian collusion and in- intelligence turned two years old last month. And the chairman of that committee, Richard Burr, gave a rare interview this week with CBS News describing his committee's cooperation with the Mueller investigation, plans for their own final report. And he gave hints at what kinds of questions might remain unanswered from the report. So since Burr is a Republican heading a Russian investigation, a lot of people were speculating that this probably wouldn't be a bipartisan effort. But two years later, he actually proved that he seems more motivated by facts than politics. He said the biggest compliment he's received from witnesses is that they can't tell which interviewers are Republicans and which ones are Democrats. And he said that's the way it should be. And then Seth Abramson also pointed out that uh, the committee has decided to keep powering on with the investigation despite pressure from other Republicans that want to wrap it up. He also made a note of the fact that the information gathered from this investigation will help the Senate study Russian intelligence for decades and that this GOP-led committee actually has a murder board in their <laughs> office. So they have like this legit, like, you know, board with all the information they've been gathering and, and set this thing that they're going to well, actually burst at this. They're going to use this information for a long time. And in regards to the scope of the, of the investigation, Burr said, I don't think we've got any rock that we haven't turned over. He also said their final report will show that the investigation goes far beyond the 2016 election and that this wasn't just Russia saying, quote, let's go screw with Americans in 2016. So he's talking about how broad it is. He also assured that one of the committee's core purposes is to explain as much to the public as they possibly can. However, some of the details in the final report are so classified that much of it could still be redacted. Something else really interesting that he said was that he doesn't think it's, uh, or he said, I think it's safe to say we've interviewed people that I don't even know if the special counsel knows about yet, but you've got to remember that we're on a totally separate path than what they are. So he's saying with, you know, over the 200 plus witnesses they've interviewed, that a lot of them are probably not even in Mueller's list. So we also learned that uh, it's taking so long this Senate investigation because for each witness it's added like 3 weeks to the process. So for 200 witnesses they've had to spend 3 weeks on each person, not to mention oh the God. over yeah, 30,000 <laughs> documents they so th- they've done a lot of like research. Not to mention um, some people are just hard to track down or refuse to talk. Apparently, some people even requested to be subpoenaed so it would look like they had no choice but to talk. <laughs> yeah.
4: And yeah. Like, hey, could you subpoena me so that Putin doesn't kill me, basically? Yeah, <laughs> or Trump's not mad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Burr said, if I can finish tomorrow, I would finish tomorrow. We know we're getting to the bottom of the barrel because there's not new questions that we're searching for answers to. All right. I think that's bullshit. Well, it sounds promising. I feel like there, there's it's the never, whole thing, just the last right, sentence. right. Yeah. There's, there's never going to be like an end to the investigation. I think in terms of all the collusion and you know backdale plans. But as far as what the Senate's investigating and considering, they're going in a different direction from Mueller. They're saying their particular path is about to wind down, yeah, and that Mueller could have gone a different way that requires longer. Right, but I think that's interesting. At least they're admitting that there are some things that Mueller will answer and some things they'll answer. They're not really mentioning much in the collusion part, though. They're saying that that one's to be determined or it's up in the air. So that's kind of bullshit.
6: Yeah. That just seems like a weird thing to say before an investigation is concluded that he doesn't mm-hmm. think there are any
2: rocks that haven't been turned over. It's right. like, wh- how are you in a place to say that yet? Exactly. While also admitting that Mueller will do dif- things differently. It's like maybe, I don't know, they might have like a really particular focus that's so different from Mueller's that they knew that, that their of it is just like kind of densities. But mm-hmm. it
4: is kind of a vague thing to say. And it's also terrifying this. that he's like, this Russia 2016 thing is just a small part of a giant problem. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no more Stones. Right. Oh, like, <laughs> no, it's more, like, no more rocks. If the Russian ever.
4: investigation is like
2: a tree, their branch is about to be done. But he's mm. like, yeah, but this tree's still on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so that's tough. All
4: right. Well, thanks, Shalisa. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no thank problem. You. Uh, and if you get a chance, take a listen to that uh, interview. It's pretty good. Uh, Jordan, what do you got on BuzzFeed?
6: Yes. So again, for our patrons, I covered this in our midweek episode. So... Uh, you can, yeah, earmuffs, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Buzzfeed, as I'm sure a lot of you've heard, got a hold of a bunch of Trump work documents that really just establish a super graphic timeline that outline the connections between talks of Trump to our Moscow and Trump's excessive praise of Putin that he was putting out publicly. Um, And even better, these documents outlined the negotiating that was happening after Cohen said the negotiating stopped, essentially confirming all suspicions that Trump and his team were trying to secure a Trump Tower deal in Moscow by using the stage of Trump's campaign to establish a network of support within the Kremlin and with Putin himself. So while these documents were technically non-binding, as you hear them say, they were just letters of intent, (laughs) uh, you'll find out once you read this timeline that they're still way more detailed than anything anyone on Trump's team or Trump himself is trying to suggest.
4: Yeah. And the thing that makes me crazy is they're non-binding, right? And that makes Trump sad. Trump wanted a binding agreement. Trump wanted to make money on these. And Putin just refused. Well, that's what the Russians do. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. When they find a patsy, when they find somebody who's just just easily turnable they get a bunch of compromising shit on them Mm p-tape and then they dangle great stuff in front of them and because this happened in russian roulette with carter page when the russians literally said well we (laughs) promise him things then he gives us what we want then we tell him to go fuck himself right (laughs) and that's what they did with trump tower and that's why fusion gps was asking christopher Steele to find out why so many deals started in russia but never finished because that is a sign of somebody being use manipulate yeah, yeah. yeah
6: definitely and i think what really stands out to me about all that too is one of the biggest things they were flashing is the russians were flashing is you're not going to be able to get this deal done unless you have putin's direct blessing and they said that over and over again. And they were trying to coordinate in-person meetings, as you'll find out. Trump literally flying over to Russia kind of meetings. <laughs> yeah. And how do you Putin. get ch- how do
4: you get Putin's blessing? Maybe offer him a $50 million condo at the top of it? Yeah. Or let him
2: break the Magnitsky Act, maybe. Like, there's so many little condo. avenues. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> $50 million condo. Condo is probably not the right word.
2: <laughs> Pen- penthouse? I don't know. Yeah. Even just, like, you know
6: praising him constantly all the time on Twitter and shit, because that's all part of their campaigns, their viral social media campaigns that just completely just give them good publicity, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's such a big part of how they operate and how Trump operates, and it's disgusting. So, uh, BuzzFeed, again, it's incredible, the stuff they got, the documents they have, they have screenshots of text messages, of actual emails. It is, for anyone, if you have any of those friends that are like, I don't know, about, i don't know about this investigation you know No, there's no collusion Prove i haven't it. seen any proof yeah fucking show them this article it's kind of insane so i'm just gonna go over some of the key dates that there's a lot of them but it's just such a it's a magnificent a magnificent
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: i mean in fairness that's how that word should be said good point yeah yeah <laughs> i agree Magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a magnificent tale and uh, it would read like a great story if it weren't so real and sad. So starting all the way back in June of 2015 on the 17th, this is the day after Trump announces his run for the president. We see Trump appear on O'Reilly uh, ugh, yeah, and, and uh, talking, <laughs> and he's talking about how he wants to push for friendlier relations with Putin. So this is one of the first days that he goes really on the map saying that. Uh, then in September of 25th, September 25th of 2015, Cohen, who at the time is acting EVP of Trump Org and obviously counsel to Trump, he forwards to Felix Sater, who at the time was senior advisor to Trump, he forwards him these architectural renderings for Trump Tower Moscow that were so much more detailed than any of them would lead you to believe. And I have the pictures in the article, so please go look. About an hour later, he sends the same renderings to a dude named Andrei Rozov, who is a real estate developer from Russia at a company called IC Expert. His name comes up a lot. A few days later, Rozov's financial advisor forwards a letter to Seder that also went to Cohen, expressing the developer's excitement about the project. Trump is saying shit still around this time, uh, like, quote, I think in terms of leadership, Putin's getting an A. Just totally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> completely praising his ass,
4: Jeez. just it's like you're you're trying a little too hard, bro. An NRA. <laughs>
3: that was really dumb
4: no
6: that I was like great okay. I do realize half of our more like it, 70% of our humor is like puns and wordplay yeah um, which some would say is the lowest form of comedy so no sorry. it's the <laughs> highest form
4: brevity <laughs> is the soul of wit okay <laughs> god damn it and don't let anybody outside of Mensa tell you anything differently thank you mm-hmm. I appreciate that You're
6: welcome because words um, are magnificent so
4: <laughs> uh, nice word usement yeah <laughs> So, so I stole that from Steve Martin. Sorry. I, oh, had to, nice. I, had, I have to give credit where credit's due. Oh, totally. Steve, I know you're listening.
6: <laughs> We're good people here. Uh, then on October 5th, uh, Cohen Ford's letter of intent for Trump Tower Moscow that describes the development in detail. And the next day, Trump says the whole thing about me and Putin would get along very well. So there's just every time some big move happens, it seems in this timeline, there's also some grand statement from Trump about Mm -hmm. how much he wants to get along with Putin and how well things are and how good he is. Yeah, um, because again, he's trying to get his ultimate direct blessing on this. So then on the 12th of October, Sater emails Cohen about VTB Bank maybe being willing to finance the whole development. Now he says, quote, now all we need is Putin, end quote. The email says that a meeting with Putin and one of the, his top deputies is set for the 14th, and he says, quote, see, buddy, this quote's crazy, I can not only get Ivanka to spin in Putin's Kremlin office chair on 30 minutes notice, I can also get a full meeting, end quote. Oh, snap. Yeah, that's just so deliberate. And so detailed. And so not just a letter of intent, you fucks. <laughs> right. So then on the, the next day, a second version of that letter of intent goes and gets uh, goes and gets on its own. It has sentience. It goes to Roseoff and it gets a signature, right? Sater says the deal could, quote, this is rich, help world peace and make a lot of money. Because those two always go hand in hand. <laughs> those guys go
4: to a lot of pageants together. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And world peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, Coney 2012. <laughs> I was thinking uh, Miss Congeniality. Oh, but, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That absolutely. would be stricter punishment for parole violators, Stan. Yeah. And world peace <laughs> yeah. Or her favorite date or her perfect date. Yeah. <laughs> I would say April 25th. It's not too hot <laughs> and it's not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. God, I love that movie. so fucking good. Yeah, I don't know where my memory comes from, but there you go. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. Uh, A few days later, Trump
6: tweets out a Washington Examiner article that says Putin loves Donald Trump. Again, try hard Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Then on the 21st of October, the Trump org makes another round of edits to the letter of intent. They edit the uh, one of the edits they make. For example, is the first installment upfront fee? It's not going to be a hundred k. It's actually going to be nine hundred k,
4: just under a million. Yep. <laughs> How weird! Hey, wait, didn't Very uh weird. didn't that guy Zuberry, who was mentioned in the indictment uh, or the subpoena for the Trump inaugural, donate nine hundred thousand dollars? Exactly nine hundred thousand dollars oh, to the Trump know.
6: campaign. I don't know. I don't remember. And he's
4: mentioned in that subpoena. Yeah. Yeah, it was $900,000. Oh, uh, uh, Andrew Torres and I uh, picked that apart. I didn't know that there was a $900,000. It might not be the same $900,000. Uh, <laughs> 900000 is probably a real common amount when you're <laughs> right stealing. Like a 999 kind of thing. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. it gets flagged at a certain level. Mm. But that's interesting, $900,000. That is interesting. Because yeah. that was Trump Tower Moscow. And then yep. a $900,000 donation to the Trump inaugural? Hmm. Weird Weird, weird, weird. Because he was supposed to get a million bucks, uh, roughly, for putting his name on the building. Yeah. Like an upfront.
6: Yeah. I mean, and I'm assuming that this is the number that makes it through to the final letter that gets sent as well. Because they didn't say it changed in the reporting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And then also with that edit comes an edit that makes uh makes it so Trump is allowed to speak about the deal publicly. So interesting that they would push for that. Obviously, the Russians didn't. I wouldn't think so. Or maybe... No. Yeah.
4: So then... Right, because then they have the leverage. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: And
4: mm-hmm. then... Mm-hmm. 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 That's my new thing. <laughs> ooh, that, that, um, that, I must have made that noise 9, 900,000 times ooh. while looking through that timeline.
6: <laughs> maybe that's just like the number 23 or something. Ooh, and everyone's innocent. Ooh, 23. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh Then a week later, a final version of the letter is signed by Andrei Rozov of... The IC expert, the the real estate guy. Yeah, remember that dude. mm -hmm, And also signed by Donald Trump himself. This is also the day of the third Republican primary debate. Then in November of 2015, Ivanka receives an email from the wife of this guy, Dmitry Kolokov, who's a weightlifter. Because everyone here is either like a boxer slash pop star <laughs> and also a criminal. It's such an interesting. Yeah. Even so
2: interesting. Trump, he's like, you know, he's getting an IDMP page or whatever it's called.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Our celebrities need to step it up. Kanye? Fucking start committing some shit, man. <laughs> He's running for
2: president, remember?
4: <laughs> um, so well, we do have uh, Ice Cube is wrapped up in this. But I mean, these are guys; these are witnesses against, you know, right? Yeah.
6: I mean, I want people that are actively trying to, you know, interfere in foreign governments. That's the kind of crime I'm. Oh, I for. see. I see. Yeah. Okay, good point. Um, so so this guy Dmitry Klokov. Uh, They put this guy in touch with Cohen, and he tells Cohen that he can arrange a meeting between Trump and Putin to expedite the tower deal.
3: Mm.
4: Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. I I wanted to ask you, but going back to the IC expert thing, we reported uh, in episode 65, which is what, uh, two episodes ago? Yeah. Um, That Scott Stedman put out a Medium article saying the developer of the Trump Tower Moscow deal, IC expert, uh, had about $90 million gone missing. Mm. Two weeks after the agreement with Trump to build the tower, IC Expert received a loan from Sperm Bank. Remember? Sperm Bank?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, documents show there's a $90 million discrepancy between the amount of the loan and the actual amount of the capital that Sperm Bank extended.
6: Mm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that when I was reading this. Hmm.
4: And uh, hmm. IC Expert is uh, owned by three Cypriot companies.
6: Okay. Comprise
4: the, the ownership of IC Expert.
6: All right, then. We know that. <laughs> Mr.
4: Manafort uh, notebook. It says here: "There's it's important that there's no evidence that any missing money flowed between anyone uh, associated with Trump and IC expert and Rossoff uh, to Michael Cohen." There was a letter um, in September 2015 outlining a plan to use a company in the United States to handle matters related to Trump Tower in Moscow, and Felix Sater acted as a go-between between mm-hmm. Cohen, Cohen and Rossoff. So yeah. that's in there. Yeah.
6: Huh. Anyway. yeah, good to know um very interesting so then the so on the 2nd of november cohen sends a final letter of intent to Sader and ic experts saying we are truly looking forward to this wonderful opportunity and project and then the next day trump says at a press conference some more shit about putin i believe we will have a very good relationship with russia i believe that i will have a very good relationship with putin so it's so crazy looking at this timeline and again like i can't Iterate this, reiterate this enough. It's literally the day after these huge (laughs) milestones and these Mm -hmm. negotiations are happening that he comes out and says that. It's not even like it's around the same time. It's like the same day or Mm -hmm. the day after. Same thing with the I hope you're able to find 30,000 emails. That also is like the same day. Mm
4: -hmm. Like
2: it's crazy. It's so insane to me. Well, um, he's too dumb to like wait hmm. a little longer, like the three day rule for
4: committing crimes. Like
2: he's just—he's
3: too <laughs> easy. You gotta
4: wait two two days before you call her back. Your crime, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it's it's completely. Uh, and and that's why I think it's so important that we have this curatorial journalism that Seth Abramson talks about so that all these things are put in context. Like my favorite history teacher, I've talked about her before, Mrs. Aarons, when I was in high school, taught us that when we learn about things in history, we should consider all the other things that were going on around in the world at the time so we can put it in, in context and have a frame of reference. And so putting this. This was incredible for BuzzFeed to do, mm-hmm. to put these things on a timeline right next to all the things that Trump was saying, or to say, you know, for example, when Trump said, "Russia, if you're listening, thirty thousand, I'm an asshole." Um, <laughs> within hours is when they tried to hack Hillary Clinton's email. Russia yeah. did. So it's very important, very right? important to put these to, to put this context together. That's that's what Mueller's going to do, and that's what is taking him so long. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
6: yeah. They're all very responsive to one another. What Trump says and what these events are. Um, On that same day, also, uh, this is the 3rd of November, Seder emails Cohen saying that he's going to the Bahamas with the Russian developer, and this guy apparently rented a private island for them. And he tells Cohen to get him the video clip of Trump promising improved relations with Russia to share it with Putin because he says, quote, it will help our cause, end quote. (laughs) So they're just fucking renting out islands and shit. Again. Oh, God. Not just a small letter of intent that meant nothing.
4: <laughs> it's so extensive. It sounds like a show that Trump could have.
6: Oh, <laughs> Apprentice
4: yeah. Island.
6: Oh, my God. That's White Island right Dude, there. It's I, White Island. Yeah. I guarantee they already filmed the pilot and it failed. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee. That is just
3: Because he's too there and Trump-ian. he's like, this
4: would be a good show. Mm, <laughs> if I lose, I should do this show.
2: On Trump TV. We'll Ugh. have
4: Cutter. Funded. oh god trump
6: tv i can't believe that doesn't exist already also it yeah. does
4: right it, it, like it, it
2: was does, in the there's,
4: a, there's a media company he's putting together with yeah. all the old fox guys or something oh I
6: don't know my god
3: he's <laughs> a <Jesus>. mogul man
6: <laughs> amazon i'm saying this right now bezos i know you're not busy if you put that on your fucking prime I'm going to have to deactivate my account again. Again? (laughs) (laughs) I did it over the NRA TV, and I'll do it again. So you'll sign up again and then deactivate it? (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs)
6: Um, Okay, so then... Uh, we have some more Putin-Trump love that happens in December. Trump call or Putin calls Trump talented, whatever. Blah blah blah. Uh, then two days later, Sater says that he's working with a former Russian military intelligence guy to help contact Russian banks for investment, and in they're shooting for VTB Bank. Hmm. Yep. Uh, ten days later, in response to Trump saying that he barely knew Sater, because tri- once these contacts <laughs> start coming out, he tries to distance himself from Sater, right? Sater sends a text to Cohen saying, that story made me look really bad and I took it on the chin. It lasted one day because I kept my mouth shut for you and your team. Cover up! hmm on the 14th of January 2016, Cohen contacts Putin's press secretary asking about the status of Trump Moscow project, which is what they changed the name of it to, um, and then also emails them a couple days later. Finally, on the 20th, they hop on a call. This is when Cohen tells them that Trump Org will give uh, the tower's $50 million penthouse to Putin. This is the there day it is. that happens. Yeah. Yep. Uh, on the 25th of January, Cohen receives an invitation from another real estate developer, Andrew Ryabinsky, to visit Moscow and look at land options. Hmm. Yeah, Sater keeps asking for dates when Trump can break off from the campaign to travel to Russia and meet Putin. Then from January to May 2016, there's a drop off in the communications that they have because apparently Cohen and Sater switched over to an encrypted messaging app called Dust. Then they're back online, May 3rd, and Cohen says that uh, to Sater through a text that Trump should travel to Russia after he becomes the nominee after the convention. They were pretty sure about him winning that nomination. They're planning their schedule around it. That is how confident. Although, that could just be the pure unmitigated confidence that they live their life with. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe that's not sketchy at all. A couple days later, Sater says Cohen will be invited to St. Petersburg International Economic Forum by Putin's press sec. So more uh you know opportunities for the trump team
3: mm-hmm.
6: on the 26th of may trump gets the delegates needed to win the presidency then we fast forward to june 9th that's our trump tower meeting i don't know why i said our ew.
3: <laughs> that's a trump
6: tower meeting with dtj Vesselnut sky and company you know that whole thing meeting set up by goldstone where as we know goldstone said the information was part of russia and its government's support for mr trump explicitly on the 14th of june Russian hackers hack the DNC. That's also the same day Sater recalls that Cohen told him that the deal for Trump Tower Moscow was off. J- June 18th to the 21st, that's the RNC. They elect Trump as their candidate. The 22nd, the day after that, is when WikiLeaks starts publishing their emails. And on the 26th, Trump says he has zero investments in Russia. Mm-hmm. Dude. Fast forward to 2018, November 29th, when Cohen pleads guilty to line in Congress about Trump Moscow. And this is the same day Trump says, there was a good chance that I wouldn't have won, in which case I would have gotten back into business. And why should I lose lots of opportunities? <laughs> so there's a beautiful story. Wonderful. I um, a
2: calendar just with all the dates yeah. of all the collusion. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Collision yeah, like, make a collision calendar, like little a little holiday, like a beach week calendar. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
6: yeah. It's just mm-hmm. so insane. It's just like so explicit. When I first read that and looked at all the images, and it just blo- it blows my mind how explicit it is. Yeah.
2: Looking back now with everything we know, really puts it into perspective, like even more so. Because I I felt like a year ago we were like,
4: whoa, and now it's like, holy shit. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see it all come together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Um. For my hot note, and for the winner of all-time best responses to Trump's State of the Union address, uh, that's the House Democrats, you guys. As you know, Trump said in his State of the Union, which was... To me, a line obviously written by Stephen Miller that we need peace and legislation, not war and investigation. (laughs) And the next day, the Dems responded with a giant fuck you when the Intel Committee launched a massive investigation into Trump Russia, basically reopening the bullshit farce of an investigation (laughs) led by Nunes when he was in charge of that committee. There are five major areas Schiff said that they're going to look into. Number one, the scope and scale of the Russian government's operations to influence U.S. political processes and the U.S. government response during and since the 2016 election. Number two, the extent of any links and or coordination between the Russian government or related foreign actors and individuals associated with Donald Trump's campaign, transition, administration or business interests in furtherance of the Russian government's interests. Mm Huh. Number three, whether any foreign actor has sought to compromise or holds leverage, financial or otherwise, p-tape, over Donald Trump, his family, his business, or his associates. Number four, whether President Trump, his family, or his associates are or were at any time at heightened risk of or vulnerable to foreign exploitation, inducement, manipulation, pressure, or coercion, or have sought to influence U.S. government policy in service of foreign interests. And number five, and this one's good, whether any actors, foreign or domestic, sought or are seeking to impede, obstruct, and or mislead authorized investigations into these matters, including those in Congress. Nunes, we're talking about you. Yes. Fuck yes. Yes. And also Tuesday, Adam Schiff's House Intel Committee voted to hand over transcripts of testimony for over 50 people to Mueller's team, including these people of note. Might want to slow this down to half speed. (laughs) Junior, that's Trump's kid. Hope Hicks, (laughs) Trump's close assistant. Corey Lewandowski, Trump's first campaign chair. Keith Schiller, Trump's bodyguard. Kushner, that's Trump's son-in-law. Brad Parscale, he ran Trump's 2016 data campaign and got all mixed up in Cambridge Analytica. And he's the 2020 campaign chief. Bannon, we know who he is. Eric Prince, he's the Blackwater guy whose sister Betsy DeVos is the education secretary. And he met with Nader, Dmitriev, and others in the Seychelles to set up a back channel and talked about lifting sanctions. Yes. Alexander Nix, former CEO of Cambridge Analytica. Rora Bakker, former congressional rep who helped lobby for Yanukovych and is now, and well, he's a known Russian sympathizer. He's not now. He's always been. Right. Rona Graff, that's Trump's secretary. She's the one who writes emails on his behalf since he doesn't probably know how. <laughs> Rick Dearborn, Jordan, your buddy, friend of Mashburn, who worked with Manafort to weaken the RNC platform on Russia and Ukraine during the convention.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Mike Caputo, slimy asshole, Trump's Trump advisor. <laughs> Boris Epstein, former Trump campaign advisor and White House communications director who grew up in Moscow and went to school with Eric Trump. That must have been hilarious. J.D. Gordon, one of the OG Trump National Security Council guys, along with Papadop, Clovis, Schmitz, and all those dipshits. <laughs> <Kavaladze, laughs> and an Al- He's an Algalarov posse member who was at the Trump Tower meeting, Kavaladze. Uh, Renat Akhmechen. That's the Russian American that was at the Trump Tower meeting. It got a ton of mysterious payouts before and after the Trump Tower meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anatoly Samarachnov, or Samachornov. He's the translator. <laughs> when you need one for his name. Um, he was, you know, in the Trump Tower meeting. They had that translator there. Right. Uh, Walid Fares, uh He's a Trump policy advisor. Mueller asked about Flynn and Papadop along with uh, his Russian connections. He was also part of that National Security Council. Goldfarb. That's the old lady Trump supporter that was tricked by Russians to campaign for him. <laughs> Clovis. He's another one of the security dudes. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, Sean Henry, the CEO of CrowdStrike, those are the ones who found out that Hillary's uh, that, about the hacks into the DNC. DCCC. Right. Mm-hmm. Diane Denman, a Texas Republican who fought for Mashburn and Dear- fought Mashburn and Dearborn on softening the RNC platform. Remember the lady who was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> uh, Sean Henry. Oh wait, we already said him. Uh, Goldstone, his transcripts are in there. Sader, he's the former mobster and real estate guy from Bay Rock. The Bayrock Group, friend of Cohen. He's the one who helped set up the Trump Tower Moscow deal. We were just talking about that, Jordan. Mm -hmm. Um, Simona Menjante. No one knows who she is, really, other than Papadopoulos' wife, and she likes to lie about her age. (laughs) I think she's a Dara Pasca Boat Those are beans. (laughs) And fight with us on Twitter, because she has nothing better to (laughs) do. She's very important. In addition to the major investigation into all things Trump-Russia and sending Mueller over 50 transcripts, the House also held its first hearings on gun violence in eight years. And the first hearings on climate change in nine years. They're also starting hearings about Trump taxes. Um, They want to get his taxes. They've started that process. Nice. And they're also holding hearings on what happened to the children at the border. A fun bonus is that the House Intel Committee is poaching Trump staffers to work on the committee. And that's pissing Trump off. (laughs) And this is why winning the House was so crucial. And I'm so proud of all of us and the hard work we did to elect a Democratic check on this this authoritarian piece of shit in the White House. Um, We have more work to do. But as a veteran, I just wanted to let you know I'm so proud of you guys. And I'm so grateful that you care about what we're defending here. So this week, treat yourself.
2: Three words for you. Treat yourself.
3: Treat yourself
4: 2011. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do
2: we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat
4: yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year. That's right. Go get a massage, have a glass of sparkling rosé, take a day off work and chill, smile at yourself in the mirror, take a power stance, have some cake, uh, and then let's get our noses back to the grindstone. Because the next 20 months will determine whether or not we make, make it as a democracy, honestly. And we need each and every one of us working together to save it. Oh, yeah. Well said. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller junkies. As you all know, I have a day job as a government exec. And while I have to look professional, I really like to stay comfortable. And that's why beta brand dress pant yoga pants are the staple of my wardrobe. They're super comfy, but they're sleek and professional at the same time. And they have a ton of styles like boot cut, skinny, straight leg, and cropped. They're wrinkle resistant, so they pack well and travel well. They'll, they're stretchy. And they have belt loops. And the most important thing ever, some of them come with actual pockets. I love that. And like Muller, she wrote they're super open to feedback and crowdsourcing so i encourage you to give them a try they're seriously my favorite work pants because comfort is uh, that important to me have you ever been in a meeting like and your pants are like cutting into you well for me sometimes they're too hot or itchy but these pants i swear to god they're breathable they're stretchy it's like wearing jammies at the office i love them guys right now they're offering muller junkies 20 percent off a pair of yoga pant dress pants So visit Betabrand.com slash A-G to get your 20% discount today. I am serious, you guys. You need to have these. And now you can have them for 20% off. Just head to Betabrand.com slash A-G. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D dot com slash A-G. Again, visit Betabrand.com A-G for 20% off your yoga pant dress pants. You'll be glad you did. You guys ready for sabotage? Yes. All right. If you're an OG MSW listener, this will not be news to you, but it's bubbling up to the surface again this week. So I wanted to remind you all about Trump's longtime bodyguard, Keith Schiller. Since he left the White House, a company owned by Schiller has received two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars from the RNC for security consulting. He's not really doing anything. A year ago, we put beans on this being hush money. But now Schiff um, has sent his testimony transcripts over to Mueller. Something uh, might be in the wind. So keep that in mind while we're drafting. Uh, for our fantasy indictment teams this Mm. week. All right. You guys ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Oh, yes.
3: I'm going to be indicted. No, it is going to be okay. Indicted. Honey, dick. Indicted. Honey. I'm going to be indicted. Oh,
6: they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be
4: indicted. Okay, so this week, guys, Maria Butina's boyfriend, Paul Erickson, the Beast, was indicted in South Dakota for stealing investors' money and probably money laundering. Um, and our initial reaction prior to having access to the indictment was that it had nothing to do with Mueller. Um, so no one gets points. But once I saw some of the details, including payments from Erickson's companies to Butina's college and cash payments to someone with the initials MB. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Maria Butina. Um, I think I'm changing my mind. And I'm not just saying this because I had Erickson on my fantasy <laughs> indictment team. But this could be more connected than we think. Right. So if you picked Erickson, if you had Erickson on your team, give yourself five, five points. But most interesting to them, actually, I think he's worth one point, two points. I don't know. Whatever it says on Facebook. <laughs> Give yourself the points for an, out, uh, an outer circle guy. Two points.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right.
4: Yeah. So most interesting to me was uh, a cash withdrawal that prosecutors flagged for $14,000 that happened around the same time Erickson and Boutina organized that NRA trip to Moscow that included several presidents and past presidents of the NRA. And it had the CEO of the Outdoor Channel. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And Sheriff David Clark was there. That's the nut job with all the flair. We need to talk. Do you know what this is about? My, uh, flare?
5: Yeah. Or, uh, your lack of flare, because, uh, I'm counting and I only see 15 pieces.
4: Well, that $14,000 amount stuck out to me, because I remembered hearing about a reimbursement for that amount... From the NRA when we had reported that they had started backing away from their ties with Russia. Remember, I don't know how or why that amount stuck out to me, but I looked into it. And in fact, I had read a Rolling Stone article saying David Clark filed an ethics report showing $6,000 of his trip was covered by Butina's group, Butina's group, the right to bear arms. And former NRA president Brownell covered $14,000 of Clark's airfare and visa expenses. So I'm wondering, 14000 14000 did Erickson reimburse the president of the NRA with Russian money laundered through his fraudulent company called Investing with Dignity, <laughs> uh, which will now be known as Investing with fucking Dignity? There you go. Mm-hmm. So, it's so you know. ironic, too. So put some beans on that $14,000. I feel like it's important. So I do not get to pick first. I believe you go first this time, okay. Jelisa. Is that I- right? Am I right? I don't know. Yeah, well, you go ahead. I will go ahead
2: and take... ...Junior. I know you think it might be a little while. I'm thinking any minute, though.
4: Well, he ha- he has the transcripts this week, so this yeah. week could be it. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, you
6: you go ahead. There. Okay, I'm doing a Corsi plea deal.
4: Corsi. Plea deal. Uh, I'm going to draft Sater for lying about Trump Tower Moscow. Sater was one of the transcripts that was sent over to Mueller this week. Mm-hmm. and. I know that he's going to indict Trump Tower Moscow people. So I'm going with Seder. Smart.
2: Yeah. And that same light, I'm going to go for Hope Hicks. I know it's been a minute since we mm. talked about her, but he plea has. Plea deal or? Uh, plea. Yeah, I think she would.
6: Okay. I'm doing superseding Manafort.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I abbreviated as SS Manafort. It sounds like <laughs> his boat. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> All aboard the SS Manafort. <laughs> the government has that too. <laughs>
4: Just have his his boat with a name on the back that says crimes paid for this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with AMI uh, because they broke their friggin' non-prosecutorial agreement this week with the Bezos thing. Okay. I will
2: take Bannon. I'm going Assange.
3: (laughs)
4: All right, I'm gonna go uh, superseding stone. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> this is such a weird game. I love it. Uh, Kush, you dick. Yeah, <laughs> Kush was my. None of us drafted Kush last week. I don't know how I, we I, I, that, yeah. But hey, we were right. He didn't get
6: indicted, mm-hmm. so. Um, I'm gonna go Ivanka. Yeah, that's a long
4: shot. Four. I'm gonna go with. You got superseding Manafort already. I'm, damn, I'm out of people. Um, Let's do that. Uh, and there's so many. It's funny when we forget. There's like hundreds of people that are There's so many. There's just so many. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, mm, boot in a plea agreement. Or okay. does she already have one?
6: I mean, she's already, she's already cooperating.
4: cooperating. But outside of the Mueller investigation. So no... Um, uh, you know, uh, let me do Eric Prince. Oh man,
3: <laughs> <laughs> one
2: one more each. Okay, okay. Uh, all right. It's been a while, but I'm gonna go with Parscale. No one. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, because he's in in that shit.
6: <laughs> um, I'm gonna do superseding
4: Veselnitskaya
6: mm, Okay,
4: I was thinking about that. That's a good one. Um, I think I'll finally go with um for my last pick here. You stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna say Kushner's dad, but Oh. Cohen's
2: dad. Papa Kush. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's family. Yeah, I think I will. I think I'll go with Papa Kush. Okay.
4: Oh, yeah. And it uh would it be a plea plea agreement? oh
6: what do you have to turn on his son probably just the administration
4: which i guess is his son yeah. <laughs> yeah it might be that his son is turning on his dad oh not like flynn flynn jr you know mm-hmm. yeah flynn jr is such a cocksucker <laughs> <laughs> um and i don't mean that in an anti no no we're just flipping good things into de- de- mean it's, bad things. it's a deadwood way which is actually probably pretty homophobic never mind i take it back he's an asshole
2: (laughs) it's so hard like the word bitch it's like i guess you know i'm just trying to
4: not offend people yeah yeah well shit uh nunez i don't know oh yeah oh
2: something's gonna happen to him yeah
4: all right guys that is the fantasy indictment league so are we ready for the interview Yeah. yeah Hello, and joining us for the interview today is co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast and real-life lawyer, Andrew Torres.
5: Andrew, welcome to Mueller She Wrote. (laughs) "Ag, Thank you so much for having me on.
4: We're really delighted to have you here. Uh, I love your podcast, and um, I think this is going to be pretty epic. So the discussion I wanted to have with you today is about the story that broke this week about AMI, lawyers, allegedly blackmailing Jeff Bezos or Bezos. The, he's the owner of Amazon and The Washington Post and a known political enemy of Donald Trump by basically threatening to release photos related to his extramarital affair unless he went on the record saying that AMI's motives were not or, you know, a, what AMI was doing was not politically motivated. Can you tell us your first of all, just your top line reaction to these allegations in that Medium article, that 10 page media Medium article that Bezos
5: wrote? Yeah. So l- 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 let me say it this way, right? I, uh, uh among my day job it includes, uh, I represent a bunch of podcasts. So, uh, it's literally true to say that I vet dick jokes for a living. Um, I've kind of a strange legal career. Um, and this is the most bizarre correspondence between lawyers that I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, it it absolutely has sort of all the makings of extortion around it, and uh, you know, I mean, like when you start to pour through it, you see completely contradictory statements, right? Like you see AMI's lawyers on the one hand saying. Uh, It was perfectly legitimate for us to capture, uh, you know, naked photos of of you, uh, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos, and for us to publish it. But but by the way, we're happy to enter into an agreement to not publish a thing that would obviously make us a lot of money as a tabloid press. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. It's insane. I've never seen anything like it.
4: Yeah. And speaking of. um... Gosh that that email that really odd exchange. Well, I can't remember the name of AMI's lawyer again, but is he now is he jeopardizing his his you know his bar um membership in doing this kind of thing? I mean, it seems straight out to me it seems like extortion.
5: Uh, yeah, so so a couple of things. I mean, I want to I want to talk about uh extortion. Um the the, the Deputy General Counsel who's on The email that that contains the proposed terms is John Fine, not somebody I know. in terms of could he get disbarred? I, uh, you know, you you typically don't get disbarred as a lawyer. I mean, this is one of the shames of, of of our profession. Um, you can do all sorts of horrible things, but so long as you're not commingling client funds, you typically get you know censured or reprimanded or whatever. I don't I don't know of. A, I'm sure there are some. I don't know of a case that involves a lawyer getting disbarred for being super shady, um, but. That being said, right, it, it, I, I share your take on things, right? Like the, the federal extortion statute, right? Says that's 18 USC 875 says that it's a crime to intend to extort a thing of value by threatening to injure the property or reputation of someone. Uh, and, and, you know, like state crimes that, uh, that, that deal with extortion define it as uh, trying to get something for a value in exchange for an accusation that would bring a person into contempt or disrepute. And right. That seems to be what this is, right? (laughs) We we will publish, you know, dick pic of you and, you know, other um, things that are really only, you know, moderately embarrassing uh, in exchange for you killing a story. And, um, and that, that, you know, sort of seems to fit the definition of the statute to me.
4: Yeah, and and we know that one of the lawyers along with Fine is Dylan Howard or at least one of the people who was involved deputy director I think. And and Howard was uh given I think at least situational immunity uh in this case or in you know in the in the campaign finance violation case with with uh um uh, David Pecker. But and then also we know that AMI got a non-prosecutorial agreement. Uh, out of that where they wouldn't be prosecuted as an entity um, for cooperating and does this kind of you know if this is found to be extortion does it violate the non-prosecutorial agreement and the situational immunity that 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 was granted and the ami entered into and dylan entered into with federal prosecutors last september and and if so what would the implications of breaching that agreement be
5: Okay, that's a that's a fantastic question. And there's there's a ton to unpack here. So um, l- let me try and and walk through all of this. Um, if you will forgive a plug, I did episode 235 of opening arguments, I did a long sort of deep dive into this um, non prosecution agreement when it first came out, because it's kind of a weird thing, right? Like, I mean, it, you know, in in layperson's terms, it's essentially a plea deal to a walk, right? And so, um The 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 first thing we call it a
4: plea deal without a plea.
5: Right (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um so the first thing to keep in mind is that it is already limited in a couple of ways, right? So the the first thing is it it is a promise that the Southern District of New York, right? So this is uh you know, not the Mueller investigation, you know, you've pointed out on your show a, a bunch of times that, you know, the, the Southern district is sort of handling, uh, you, you know, it, it kind of feels like Mueller is farming out the, uh, the cases that he doesn't want to deal with out, out to the the Southern district. Um, and, and it is a promise that the Southern district and, and that's it, uh, will not prosecute AMI for crimes related to their conduct between August, 2015 and October, 2016. Um, and, in particular, that's related to the catch and kill of stories related to Donald Trump. Um, the, the The first thing that I want to flag for you is that that August 2015 is pretty much coincidental with the start of the Trump campaign, right? Like, So in other words, one of the very first things that Donald Trump did was to arrange this deal with Uh, American media and, and the national inquirer to catch and kill stories related to his campaign. I, I think that's kind of gone unnoticed because I think a lot of people are sort of reading the August 2015 and reading it with a six instead of a five. But, but no, like literally one of the first things the president of the United States did before declaring himself as a candidate was make sure that his pet media outlet would, uh, uh, catch and kill bimbo related stories. So that's wonderful. Um, and so, uh, the, 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 the catch and kill story, uh, was, uh, in, intended, um, it, I mean, it, that very clearly is a campaign, an, an illegal in-kind campaign contribution. Um, the, the FEC laws are, are super clear on that, that, uh, it is a thing of value that was not disclosed. Um, so, uh, so the non-prosecution, non, non-prosecution agreement, uh, gives AMI immunity for that conduct um, with the exception of uh, criminal tax violations, right? So point one is the deal already would not include subsequent conduct after that period. Um, but it gets worse for AMI because the deal also has uh, what, what we call Manafort clauses in it, right, which are uh, I- intended to allow the Southern District to use all statements that you make in connection with the deal if you violate any aspect of the deal, right, including statements made to the grand jury, including status reports that AMI was required to turn over. So now then the question, so that's kind of point two. Um And that's really, really bad, right? Like when you're cooperating, the fact that you've waived the use of all of those statements in subsequent proceedings is going to make it super easy for a prosecutor to bring a case against you. you subsequent- doesn't it also
4: say you can't commit any crimes from now until 2021. And then even then, if you have to wait until these are all done and settled. And so that could even be longer.
5: Yep. That is absolutely the punchline. Right. So the uh, obligations under the agreement, right, which was signed in September of 2018, explicitly run for three years, right till September of 2021, uh, or the later of the date on which all prosecutions arising out of the conduct uh are final, which, you know, could Certainly be well past 2021, but, but at minimum, uh, right? They run for three years. And, and as you point out, there are five ways in which AMI could breach the agreement. The, the first four are probably not impacted here. I mean, which is, you know, a little, a little odd to think about. Uh, but, but they govern the conduct between AMI and the Southern District. Um, so, you know, you have to be truthful in your disclosures. You have to cooperate. You have to attend the meetings. You have to provide documents. But a- as you point out, the, the subpoint E says, uh, shall commit no crimes whatsoever. And so if AMI has arguably committed a crime, right? It does not say shall not be convicted of a crime, right? Um, then, uh, then absolutely. Uh, the the uh, the Southern District, in in particular, uh, Prosecutor Tom McKay, who's you know no no stranger to you and uh, and and your listeners, uh, could uh, could go could go back to court and uh, and 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 move to uh, to tear up the agreement and thereby use everything that anybody on behalf of AMI has provided in connection with their investigation against ami yeah and they could bring charges against them
4: yeah so that's pretty uh, substantial right there yeah there were a lot of uh, I think there were a lot of consequences if they violated any of those five things and I'm you know we're thinking here number five don't don't <laughs> don't be a criminal <laughs> um, yeah uh it's weird that you have to tell anybody, but you know they did they they put it in there, they put it in writing and they put it in for a specific rate for these kind of things is exactly why they put that in there so um you know it's 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 just odd to me that it would even i don't know that that they would take this kind of a risk, and I'll talk about why they took that kind of a risk in a little bit. I have some questions about that, but now, what do you make uh of the oh oh about the um partial immunity or situational immunity or full immunity I don't know what kind of immunity uh Dylan got Dylan Howard got but can that also screw his immunity over like like the same with this non prosecutorial agreement
5: so I have not seen his deal I have seen Peckers deal and I have seen AMI's deal
4: now does Peckers deal says that you can't commit crimes and if you do no more immunity
5: yes yeah, it does. Um, and, and look, it would be harder to connect Pecker. I mean, this is, you know, this is why there's a separate, uh, agreement with AMI. It, it would be harder to draw the line back to Pecker because the crime that we're talking about here, the, the crime of extortion is an intent crime. And right. It's a challenge to prove an intent crime, but it's not that hard of a challenge, right? Like I, I think it would be. Uh, you know, certainly on face, not hard to bring it corporately against AMI. Um, it would be harder on the face to bring it against Pecker with the information that we have just from right. Uh, Bezos, right? Right. Like without, uh, some kind of internal correspondence from Pecker to, you know his lawyers. Uh, that says, "Hey, you know, you've, you, you, you know, why don't we tighten the vice here on Bezos? You know, uh, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I, I think I've pronounced it both Bezos and Bezos in this.
4: <laughs> right. You'd have to, you'd have to basically coax out. You'd have to coax out this intent, which is, is a lot harder to prove.
5: Yeah, and it's going to be hidden behind, you know, assertions of privilege, and, uh, y- you know, there, there certainly is an argument when, when you look at this that, um. You know, attorney client privilege only, you know, doesn't automatically attach just because there's a lawyer in the room or a lawyer writing the document. You have to be legitimately seeking legal advice. And, you know, there would be an argument that you know extorting someone is not well there's the crime
4: there's the crime fraud exception right to to that kind of a thing so if you yeah you it's attorney client privilege unless you're committing a fucking crime so
5: (laughs) yeah uh but you know it it, in realistic term right like you know judges and lawyers tend to have a pretty broad and expansive view of what constitutes attorney client privilege although you know as we've seen from the sdny's uh uh Michael Cohen investigation. I, you, you, you sometimes you know that only goes so far. So
4: yeah, no. My favorite was I think it was Don Jr. to Congress trying to claim attorney-client privilege uh, when he was talking about this, talking to his dad about the statement on the Trump Tower meeting when they were on Air Force One and he was on the ground. It's, there, just because there was a lawyer in the room, uh, doesn't make it real. So
5: um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we had a we had a good laugh about that. Like I mean, think about that. If that were the case, then the mafia would just like have a michael Mm -hmm.
4: which they do but they can't they can't do attorney client privilege for that shit um now what do you make of the allegations that the the potentially a foreign intelligence agency may have intercepted and obtained the bezos photos and text messages for ami that's weird
5: it's that's super weird and and i'd love to know your thoughts on that as well like to I'll tell you where I'm where I'm a little skeptical, right? And that is the source of all of this seems to be from Manuel Roig Franzia, who's a reporter for the Washington Post. And again, I I don't I don't doubt that he's a a good reporter, right? Like, but you have right. Bezos owns the Washington Post. (laughs) And when it is Washington Post reporters who are sort of driving the story, like, you know, it leads to things, right? Like, so I read, uh, Roy article and it, it leads to things like, uh, you know the the Washington Post uh reached out to Jay Carney, uh, Amazon senior vice president for global corporate affairs, who declined the Post request for an interview with Bezos. Like, like I, I, you know, I mean, like that's a weird thing to kind of parse, right? Like, uh, one Bezos entity reached out to another Bezos entity to ask if Bezos would speak from the left hand to the right. I, I, it's just weird, right? So I don't know what to make of it, and I, you know, I on the one hand. I I want to you know, sort of look for the most parsimonious explanation. Um and I think, right, if I mean if you just ask me delete everything else, what's the most parsimonious explanation? It would be that um right the the woman with whom Bezos was having the affair is uh Lauren Sanchez, right? And her brother, uh Michael is a mega hat guy right like he's a trump supporter um and i have to like it's super hard right because he's he's michael sanchez and i keep thinking of uh, lionel hutz's alter uh-huh. ego you know miguel sanchez <laughs> um but, but uh but so right so michael sanchez has said oh yeah no like bezos used to come down and hang out with my sister and i've met him and uh, so uh, that seems to be Right. The easiest place whereby you would imagine that that Trump's you know, God, what if friends this is all what just a
4: giant long con, though, and she was just sent in to have an affair
5: with him. And then that'd be crazy. To, to, to who knows? Uh, that would that would be amazing. But right. Like, so what? But what? Uh, there, there are kind of two things that 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 make me, you know, keep open the the, you know, foreign intelligence aspect. And and the and the first one is that In the email from John Fine to um, to DeBecker's attorney, Martin Singer, right? It's the last document that's in the the uh, Bezos Medium article um, that contains the proposed terms. Proposal proposed term number four is that AMI affirms that it undertook no electronic eavesdropping in connection with its reporting. So
4: that just means they did. is what that means you're like hey how about how about you draw us a roadmap map there john fine why don't, you, why don't you just tell us what to look for
5: exactly <laughs> so uh yeah so that that made me a little skeptical and then also you, you know it it when when the Steel dossier first came out, uh, like I think I said on my show, like I, you know, oh come on, like this is just like, uh, you know, we're pretty lefty, and but but come on, and then of course, you know, every detail,
4: nothing surprises me anymore, Andrew, yeah. nothing. What do
5: you think? Um, I mean, like, how does it strike you with the? Oh
4: gosh, I I don't I don't know. Somebody was saying MI6, other people are saying Saudi Arabia, which seems to make more sense to me. Why would MI6 do that? Um, I I really don't know. Although uh, what I do think, and and I wanted to ask you about how Saudi Arabia might be involved in this, because as we know, the Enquirer loves Saudi Arabia and MBS. Um, and uh, it would make sense to me that they'd be in on this because they also hate the Washington Post, and we know why because Jamal Khashoggi uh, worked for the Washington Post. Um, and so. Can you explain to us a little bit about what you think about Saudi Arabia, maybe being involved in the connections between Bezos and the Washington Post and Khashoggi?
5: Oh, my God. Well, so so this story is is uh, I, I mean, if it doesn't make you angry, then I, I I don't know what will. Right. So the the financial connection, uh, I think. Bezos lays out right, like th- there's a little hyperlink in there to an AP news story about how uh an AMI publication got access to uh the Saudi royal family, and then they put out this like 97 page, you know, coffee table magazine, right? Like the, you know, like the yeah, the new
4: magic Saudi Arabia. It's beautiful and fantastic, and forget nine eleven. Just forget that and now. Look, you know,
5: uh, I so yeah, I mean, forget forget nine eleven. I mean, like le- let's. Talk about, I mean, the, the, the Khashoggi, uh, like what happened there was you had a long-standing veteran journalist, emigrates to the U.S. in 2017, starts working for the Washington Post, September 2017, um, report out just today that, uh, Upon that, that contemporaneously with beginning to work for the Washington Post, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, says uh, that he would go after him, quote, with a bullet, and that our intelligence sources, our intelligence analysts, tell us that that means, right?
4: Yeah, uh huh. Okay. Um. Uh, but but and on an, and it odd, super odd that that just came out after this Bezos thing, but.
5: Yes. Continue. No, it, it, it is. And so that, you know, and then, and then Khashoggi is is at the Saudi consulate in Turkey, right? Getting legal documents. He's kidnapped, beheaded on orders of Mohammed bin Salman. Right. That's not just me, liberal podcast host saying it. That's not The Washington Post saying it. Right. Like that's the CIA's report. Right. And then in December, the United States Senate unanimously. Right. That that is counting the howler monkey contingent in the U.S. Senate. Nevertheless, unanimously passed a resolution saying Mohammed bin Salman was responsible for the murder of, of Jamal Khashoggi. Um, and yet our game show host president said, well, you know, could be maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Right. Not the first time that Trump has just Dismissed the findings of our national intelligence agencies um, and then uh, Saudi Arabia obstructed the investigation, right? Like it is just like this behavior is it, it would be an, an an administration ending scandal for any previous president, right? Like a, a hostile foreign power beheaded a journalist working for The Washington Post. Our intelligence sources confirm that and our president. Yeah, and,
4: and I think just today, Trump. It, we found out he's not going to honor that request from the bipartisan group of senators to investigate Khashoggi. He's not going to, and I feel like that's a that violates the Magnitsky Act as well.
5: If there aren't laws that it violates, there should be, right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it, it's it that is, it, it, yeah. I, again. I mean, I'm just, you know, sort of literally angry with rage right here. It, it is, it, 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 it it, it just continues to be more validation that, you know, our president does not have a notion of what it means to have civic obligations or be patriotic. And, you know, that the, the only hope I see for the future is that I, Believe, and this may be hope after hope that there are members of the Republican Party that like for for whom that's
4: what we thought too, and because it was the senators on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in October that invoked the Magnitsky Act, um, giving Trump 120 days to to report to Congress on his findings and how he plans to react and and today we find out he's not going to give that report and that to me seemingly violates the Magnitsky Act and my glimmer of hope is that we now have a lot of uh, really uh, rare to go oversight committees in the house that <laughs> that are probably going to have a look and look see into this
5: yeah, no, I, 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 agree with that. And again, and I want to, I want to underscore that, right? Like Richard Burr's committee, right? The Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, affirmed the findings of our, you know, the joint findings of our intelligence agency and continued the investigation, you know, despite the fact that Burr was on Trump's foreign policy team in 2016, right? And, and, um, and, and again, uh, contrary to, you know, Devin Nunez and the, you know, house, Rubber stamp committee that said, oh, uh, definitely nothing to see here. Right. It it. And, and the reason. right? And again, right. Richard Burr, I, I am sure that Richard Burr and I disagree on 99 percent of politics. But I also think that Richard Burr does not want to see a hostile foreign power. Yeah, no,
4: I'm with you. I think that there's a, a lot more credibility to the Senate uh, oversight and uh, in, in especially on the Republican side than there was ever in the House. Um but finally the 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 pushback from AMI to go as far as potentially blackmailing Bezos seems to indicate that they're trying to cover up something big otherwise they wouldn't presumably be willing to risk breaching that non-prosecutorial agreement or jeopardizing potentially um, you know, Pecker, or Dylan, Howard's, uh, situational or whatever kind of immunity they have. Do you think AMI could have conspired with Trump or the White House on any of this? Like, because Trump has a history of abusing executive power to try to stick it to Bezos. We remember when he pressured the Postmaster General to double the Amazon shipping costs, and that that to me is just an impeachable offense. But uh, because that's what happened with Nixon trying to get the IRS to go after the bastards, but. Uh, what do you think they could be trying to block investigators from finding? And and we found out today these federal prosecutors are now looking into this Bezos shit. What are they? What did? What were they willing to breach that non-prosecutorial agreement
5: to cover up? So, um, th- l- let me let me first kind of lay the 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 groundwork for that because when you're talking about potentially indicting a corporation, right? Corporations are people, my friend. So, uh, corporations can be indicted just like people can be indicted. And, um, the, you know, DOJ has issued guidelines about how to go about indicting a corporation and the, the, the interesting wrinkle, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious when you start to think about it, but, um, the, the wrinkle as, uh, Illustrated in the DOJ guidelines and as demonstrated through, uh, through case law is that you have to show that the corporation was acting in the corporation's interest in committing the alleged crime or crimes, right? So by, by contrast, right? Like if Pecker were using AMI and using the National Enquirer to enrich himself at the expense of the Enquirer, then those would be grounds to bring charges against pecker right but they wouldn't be grounds to to bring charges against ami and and this was one of the things that really struck me way back when this ami deal was signed in in september of 2018 because every public allegation we had seemed to support the former set of facts and not the latter right um So, for example, right, like the McDougal story, right, as uh, it's 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 sort of an allocution, right? Like in the non-prosecution agreement, there's a nine paragraph statement of of admitted facts. And and in that statement, right, on behalf of AMI, it agrees that they paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the McDougal story. They didn't intend to run it. And it contains, this is paragraph five, this, this clause that says that that 150,000 was quote, substantially more money than AMI otherwise would have paid to acquire the story. And when you stop to parse that out, essentially what they're saying is we bought a story, we incurred more expenses than we otherwise would have in acquiring the story. And then we didn't run it, right? So we missed out on the opportunity.
4: Right, so they aren't really trying to enrich themselves um, in this case. And we knew back then that they were uh, risking the magazine going under and some of the other magazines to go under. They were doing that. And then we found out something about... Um. Oh, what's his fucking name? Chris Christie stealing pension pension funds from New Jersey and giving it to AMI. And now I'm wondering how much Saudi Arabia is bankrolling, uh, AMI, uh, so that they could do all these things without worrying about, you know, tanking the paper.
5: I I I think that's right. And so uh, you know, once again, you've sort of cut you know, cut to the punchline, which is at at some point there there must be a a direct or Pretty direct, you know, pretty strong inference to significant chunks of money from, from other sources, right? Because at the end of the day, like that's the inquiry that, that any court would do in terms of, uh, evaluating and, and, and the DOJ would do in terms of evaluating whether you could bring charges against AMI. And, and as I pointed out back when this, this deal was signed, uh, AMI's counsel in this case is the, they're, you know, they're top notch lawyers, uh, who have been doing this for a long, long time. And I, I would not think, <laughs> uh, and I expressed at the time that you, you, if, if you counsel your client that they have no risk of being indicted, then. You wouldn't sign the non-prosecution agreement, right? You're not getting anything in exchange for that. And as as so we're signing seeing, right? a
4: non-prosecutorial agreement, signing a non-prosecutorial agreement is almost uh, a consciousness of guilt situation.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly right. I, I I I love the way you've I love the you know the way you put it. Um, and and so, uh, you know, I said at the time, look that. There's there's something there that that represents if not a direct quid pro quo and again the standard isn't quite I mean I don't want to get too much on you know law geekery but like the standard isn't at the level of quid pro quo like you know in the Supreme Court McDonald case right the 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 Virginia governor where they're like well if you don't say I am giving you this in exchange for you doing what, right it, it's it's not. You don't have to prove at at that level, um, but you do have to demonstrate um, that that the uh, benefits are not to the actions of the individuals.
4: Interesting. Well, I'm definitely fascinated about uh, by this, and I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see what comes out of this investigation now that the federal prosecutors are looking into it. And uh, hopefully, we'll get to have you back on once we find get the findings from that. And AMI is definitely as an entity going on my fantasy indictment league this week, so. <laughs>
5: We'll see how it
4: goes. Uh, can you hey, can you tell us, Andrew, uh, again where we can find your podcast?
5: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's the Opening Arguments podcast. So um, if you start typing "opening" into uh, into iTunes or your podcast vehicle, it it usually is the first hit that comes up. It's got a lovely like little blue background. Or you can go to OpenArgs openargs. dot com and uh, you know look for Opening Arguments. Anyway, we we pick that on purpose. I get lawyers who will always. Uh, you know write in and be like you know you can't give arguments in your opening statement I'm like,
4: <laughs> thanks you seem fun I bet you're fun at parties <laughs> Um, <laughs> if I got if I had a nickel for every time I got some sort of comment like that I would be in uh, a tax bracket that I would benefit from Trump's tax plan Um, all right everybody lawyer co-host of open arguments podcast Andrew Torres Andrew thanks for coming on Mueller she wrote today I appreciate it all right Mullerinos that's our show Uh, If you want the extended, unedited version of that interview, along with the midweek episode, bonus episodes, book club, fantasy indictment league, close Facebook group, live show discounts, pre-sale codes, and all sorts of free gifts, as well as access to premium content for the Daily Beans, which is launching soon, head to patreon.com slash muller, she wrote, and become a patron. It's the cheapest thing ever. Um, But so quality. (laughs) So quality. It's a good value. Yes, much good. Uh, please send any and all corrections and feedback, any feedback you have to hello at MullerSheWrote.com. Uh, I would recommend not sending them in the morning. I'm cranky. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at MullerSheWrote. And don't forget to get your tickets to our live events. They're all they're going to sell out. So thanks so much for listening. Any final thoughts, guys? Just get those tickets for LA. I'm excited for all the stops, man. The Largo is going to be that'd so be cool.
2: That will be a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's going to be awesome. And yeah, if you're thinking like, I want to meet them.
6: Get the VIP tickets if you're able, because we get really, really, really busy for the general show. So coming early is a really like pretty much the only way to guarantee some actual
4: face time. It's pretty much the only time we're going to get to relax. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the set aside hour long cocktail party I get to go to and like calm down for a second. Yeah, I'll be fine. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to meeting all you guys. You're amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. I've been A.G. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote.